back hot messes and hot takes i'm tangs i am an emotional wreck after reading this book and she's an emotional wreck and today we're gonna get right back into it so quick format update the way that we're gonna make this work is in one episode we're gonna do a prediction and then in the next episode we're going to have read the book and come at you with like whether we were right and our takes on the book and then do our prediction for the next book. And so the week after or the next episode after we'll have the takes on the prediction. So that way, during the gap, you can read the book with us and yeah. your predictions along with. Which I think it'll be fun. It'll, it's like a it's like waiting for a new episode for a, 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 a book, you know? Yeah. Um, currently I have cookies in the oven, so I'm hoping that those ring soon. But okay, so we're re- we just finished reading The Roughest Draft by Emily Wiberly and Austin Sig- Austin Sigmund Broca. Out of five um, jack-o'-lanterns, because it's Halloween season, what would you give it? I am giving it 4.6 jack-o'-lanterns. I really, really liked it. I also was going to say 4.5. So because I wasn't going to get complicated with the decimals. I loved, I loved this book. I know I texted you probably 5,000 times just about this book, if not this entire year about like any book, but this, this book, I loved it. I've never been more thrilled to be wrong. Same. So, so wrong. When you were texting me updates, since you finished it yesterday, you were like telling me like, you have to finish it. You have to finish it. And I think I was like, three fourths done with the book I was like really really close but today I was getting to the part I think where you were yesterday where you were literally (laughs) like please finish the book please finish the book and every single time I got to like one of those parts I literally had to text you my entire thoughts because I was internally screaming literally there were lines and specifically the fire one that you texted me I almost texted that back to you like I almost texted that to you when I read it and then I was like no no no. I think you need to read that in context for it to hit the like I think it's an excellent line I think they're both phenomenal writers both like the actual actual authors and then the authors that they wrote in the book are so different if that makes sense like they feel like different authors even though they're not because they just were able to give them such a different like and such a unique voice which I think is such an incredible thing for like an author to be able to like create a different author does that make sense yeah so just getting into post-productions we were both so wrong like we literally just finished listening to our predictions moments before to double check who got what points and I think we both did like I think if this was out of a hundred points I think we both got like maybe a 15 percent do you want to start us off okay the book starts off that they haven't both uh Nate and Kat haven't spoken to each other since they finished their last book they basically finished their last book and have not spoken since and it starts off at the bookstore that Kat goes into because she hasn't written a single word since they split up and she's just like really still into reading and this is kind of how she connects to the literary world and I really like the way they set that up because it shows that she's not writing anymore but she still has this like love for for books and this genre and she picks up his book so we know he's still writing and so we find out right off the bat that she is engaged to the their agent, the agent, the agent who the person who sells their books. And he like we we don't get like too much vibes on him right now, but he seems decent, like in the beginning, in the beginning. Yeah, yeah. in the way that you're like, there's something off about him, but the authors aren't telling you anything. It's more that they're not being like overly gushy about him. That you're like, hmm. I this might not last is the way that you feel you know like something's off about him because of the way that he's written but it's not like outright yeah so it it moves along pretty fast like it goes into Nate's perspective we know that he's writing a book or he's written a book he's trying to sell it it's not doing as well as the book that they wrote together but their agent is really trying to 
push them to writing together because Nate's proposed this idea for another book, but no one is picking up on it. So he suggests that him and Kat start writing together. And Nate's like, Kat would literally never agree to that. But Chris, which is Kat's fiance and agent, is the one who decides that this is the way that it works. So right off the bat, the only things that we had gotten right were that Shritha got a point for that they're in other relationships and I got a point for first person. Other than that, nothing else. Zero points. And also, so the other thing that like kind of makes Chris a slimy character is that he is her agent, but he wants Kat to write this book because he's in a lot of debt. And so he's like, by selling this book that you're going to write, I can make money, right? Yeah, so slimy. And right there, the part that I absolutely hated was he was like, I fell in love with you because you're a writer. And like, basically, the only thing that he's attracted to in her is that she was a writer, as if that's like her only personality trait. And I was like, this is going to go down so poorly just from that light. I know there's no way that she's going to stick with him. But like, Ugh, I knew that for the plot she had to be like of course like I'm still gonna I'll write this book because I want to be with you still I wish she would have just like broken up with him right there and been like you know what I'm still gonna write this book but not with you unfortunately that didn't happen spoiler alert it did end up happening it just wasn't like <laughs> the beginning of the book but yeah she finally agrees because you know Chris is in a lot of debt he's basically had her convinced that like this is how you like, this is how you, like, prove that, you know, you're in this for me, which is shitty. And he's shitty. And I hate him. But she ends up saying yes. And Nate and her, like, immediately, like, they get a call with their agents. And they're not speaking to each other in the call. They're literally just speaking to each other's agents. And they immediately, right off the bat, like, have so much chemistry to have this new idea. They decide to write a book about divorce, which is really fitting because both of them are, like, kind of like divorced writers so they decide to write this book about divorce and then they decide to have their writers retreat so they write together for three months in Florida in the same house that they wrote their entire last book which is also the last time they've ever spoken to each other so it's just a lot of parallels like everything is set up exactly the same as how it was three years ago or four years ago um and also like they have to do it again um but they hate each other this time and it is incredibly written like the way that these authors wrote like pining without ever outrightly mentioning it until we're like three quarters of the way through when the actual like characters admit that like oh shit I'm actually in love like until then you're kind of in this like maybe they are just really like not like good friends like I'm not I, I, I don't think it was good friends it was just sort of like do they not know what everybody can literally see on their faces was like the energy that I got does that make sense yeah but not in the way that was like oh it's so obvious like why aren't you together it, it was like, so subtle it was subtle and it was beautifully written where you were like like it's just the way that these authors write pining was absolutely unreal and it's something that you have to read to understand like truly I think like at least two-thirds if not three-fourths of the way through the book is when the first time that one of them admits the, the first one of them admits that like oh I do love him or whatever or I do love her or whatever right and like I think there is a way to write that in a really annoying way and that's oftentimes what happens but this was like you were on this fucking roller coaster with them the entire time and like it <sighs> it's so subtle and then so I divided like the book kind of into two parts like the first part is like them not getting along and the second part is like their truce so them getting along so the first part where they're super like fighting me um like they don't get along so what they do is they see the faults in each other and they write the okay so from my understanding of the book Kat is writing the female like they're both writing the book together like they're writing the entire book together but like the way that the authors are like giving their characters like personality traits like Kat chose to like make the boy like the male characters personality traits like all the negative qualities of Nate um 
and Nate chose to write the female character with all the negative qualities of Pat and it's just so like great how like they would turn their fights and their bickering into like dialogue for their characters and you could just see like the real chemistry that they had being translated onto the page and we weren't just like left with like oh you know he like typed and it was brilliant like we could like they actually like would give the page that they wrote so we could like read what the authors what Kat and Nate were trying to convey and it was just so well crafted to get like the parallels between what the characters in the book that they're writing felt and the characters that the authors of this book wrote it makes it so confusing because like you said it's so meta like authors writing about authors writing a book about two lovers mm-hmm. I think like I don't go off of that like the authors also mm, sorry it's also incredible not only do they turn their like fights and their thoughts and their like everything that goes on between them into dialogue they turn it into like absolutely beautiful prose like it is purple prose like I've never fucking read in my entire life it is so good I really really maybe not my entire life but like it is so well written it really fully captures like what's going on in the books book scene and And, like what's really good about that is like the book is not written in purple prose like the book is written like the way regular contemporary romance is written but when they just show the passages that the characters that Kat and Nate are writing of their characters that is written in purple prose so you distinctly like there's a difference between the way the characters in the story are written and the way the characters as authors write their individual characters you can tell like when you're reading part of the story and when you're reading the story that they're writing yeah and then from there they start liking each other they start like or not start liking each other they start they have a truce they decide that they're not going to hate each other anymore because they have one friend or one ex kind of friend who like comes in and reads their story and they're like it's really good but all it is so far is fighting. And so it's a book about divorce and they need to be able to convince the readers that they loved each other at one point. Like, it's not going to make sense that they're hating each other now if they never loved each other ever. So at that point, they kind of have to make a truce to say like, to like, you know, be better writers and Mm -hmm. get that out. Which is like, that is also it's not only the turning point of the book that they're writing but it's also the turning point in the book that we're reading where like they start liking each other but also the characters are more believable and more three-dimensional because the characters are you know they have a romance that's worth rooting for now um and then it kind of just like topsy-turvies into we kind of witnessed the, the the end of excuse me the end of Katrina's relationship as the book becomes more and more of a tangible thing that they're writing and not just like theories and like a pitch and some ideas and stuff so as the book becomes more substantial and they're thinking about publicity and how it's gonna you know editing and things like that and as Chris you know chooses to have a foot out the door with this relationship and we kind of get to see Katrina's realization of who he actually is as a person and who he actually is as her fiance and not like and what he's like as an agent and how and she kind of comes to this realization that he's never really there for her the way that she needs to um specifically the the line that she was like she says something like it strikes me as um it doesn't surprise me that Chris like basically planned a trip overnight when it came to when it was about the book but like when I begged him to come because I was like shattered or something like he he wouldn't budge and he made me kind of like deal with it on my own like that and like Katrina witnessing or Katrina and us witnessing the slow death of her relationship and then realizing that she's actually been into Nathan this entire time and like that is so it's beautiful all it is is beautiful the wildest thing about Chris especially is he's written as this as this like such a great villain because like he is so outward outwardly the worst person ever and like it's so obvious to Nate and Katrina and everyone else too but like it still takes until the end of the book like for her to break up with him but just like throughout the book the way Chris just puts his own job above everything else like the only reason Kat is writing the book is because Chris needs 
her too and then on top of that he's like oh um do whatever it takes to finish this book so he's basically insinuating that like if she needs to sleep with Nate in order to like catch the feelings to write this book like that's okay and then throughout the book like we figure out that Chris is constantly just trying to make Nate jealous because Nate writes better when he's jealous of like Chris's relationship with Katrina I was like what the heck mind blown and uh, I was just so upset at Katrina the whole time because I was like girly like I get that this was needed for the plot but the way that you are making me rip my hair out right <laughs> the way you're making me rip my hair out absolutely but I think it's also interesting because it's a lot of the things so it's a lot of things that Chris told Katrina sorry it's a lot of things that Nathan told Katrina or like said that he keeps mentioning that he's noticed but Katrina didn't see the first time or like when that four years ago or like you know the the whole time that Katrina's been in this relationship she hasn't realized that that is what Chris is like she just keeps writing it off as like oh Nathan doesn't like him because xyz not realizing that one Nathan is correct about who Chris is as a person but b also that Nathan not liking him is a reflection of Nathan's feelings for her like that is just completely like she's just so turned off to that idea which I will say I'm as much as I don't love like cheating in books I think that there is something to be said about the fact that, that like yes emotional cheating is still cheating but there is something to be said about the fact that neither of them wanted to do anything like while the other wasn't available yeah. I think there is something to be said about that they were good at, because the other thing is because they were a literary couple like before meaning like they wrote books together and then they broke off like the entire romance genre field was like speculating like oh did they like sleep with each other or do they have feelings for each other or like did someone cheat on each other like blah 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 and to like know and to like have that confirmation that they did not want to like start their relationship while the other was still like entangled with other commitments was nice because I'm really anti-cheating um like as like a book plot point like I don't know it's just not my cup of tea it's not fun but I think that there is something to be said about the way that they did it here yeah because and like that's not to say I I think it like I need to emphasize the fact that like emotional cheating is still cheating yeah and like there is a flaw in that but neither of them one acted two like even really admitted it to themselves I would say like neither yeah. of them were like willing to even like cross that line there's even an entire like moment where Nathan's like I would never do that to my fiance like I, I like I wouldn't even like like I don't even want to broach that subject until I've like fully divorced my wife well like you know what I mean like he- yeah because there is one moment so we learn okay so the other thing I like about this book is it keeps going back between back and forth between four years ago and the present and uh, towards the end of the book so as we get closer to the end of the book we kind of get closer to the reason why they actually broke up four years ago and who would have thought it was because they were in love with each other and they were not admitting to like they were not going to admit it to each other like when they were thinking about four years ago like getting together like they made it really clear like they're going to end all like they're gonna you know clean up the past lives that they already have before starting this new one so yeah like I think in life is a bare minimum in a book genre it's like something to be commended does that make sense yeah 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 because it doesn't usually happen like Mm -hmm. like romance is such a genre where they're willing to just be like like it's just a book like it's fine but I don't know I really like the way that the authors handled this Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, they, you know, we find out the reason why they broke up is because they were in love with each other. They didn't want to admit it. Nate did end up divorcing his wife, and she and Kat was like, "I'm never going to write again because I don't want to admit my feelings." And then towards the end, you know, they both have to like, you know, correct the differences that they they have they finished the book and they realize that they're meant for each other and they end up together and it's so cute but that's what happened I guess now we can delve into how we were wrong in our favorite parts I want to speed through why we were wrong because I just want to talk about this book 
Okay, I just, I don't know why I thought, like, an entire major plot point would be, like, that Nate was uh, just in a really female-empowered space, and he thought he needed to be in a different genre. I don't know. That whole, I spent so much time on that plot point, which was so out of left field. I wish I just, like, brought it up once and, like, turned away, because I was so invested in that, that it just, like, made my entire prediction off skew mm-hmm. the wrong thing uh, but yeah basically the only thing I got right was epilogue first person and that they like emote through their characters yeah I I mean I don't have that many more points than you do mm-hmm. I think I got the cheating aspect was really it but the way that I thought they cheated was very different from the way that it actually happened you know because I was under the impression or I I thought it was going to be or my prediction was that um they would not be together but they would be like kind of almost together and then one of them like kisses somebody else or like goes on a date with somebody else and then like kind of shatters everything they could have had because they're like oh the signs wrong this entire time like it's like a betrayal kind of thing instead um I did not predict emotional cheating was going to be the vibe other than that, I don't think I have that many more points. I think okay. that's the only point I have over over you. Yeah, but I'm so glad that this is super different because the way I would never have predicted, like, it was still predictable, but not in the way that I predicted it. But also, like, okay. I, yeah. I just, this is just, like, a, such a tiny little detail. But, like, so I usually hate sex scenes in a book. And I'm so happy that this had very few, but like I like wrote this part down, but like they have because the characters in the book have to write sex scenes. I love that like it was written so that we didn't have to read it, but then the characters themselves like like you could still feel the passion that they had towards each other while writing a sex scene about like fake characters. I don't remember the exact line, but Katrina says something along the lines of, like, um, because we've been, like, reading the way we, like, write this forever, it, it doesn't feel like it's the first time. It feels like we're coming home or something like that. And it was just such a, like, well-written and well-articulated thought, the way that she describes it. Like, she's, like, kissing him or, like, having sex with him is, like, not – it doesn't feel new. A millionth timer. It's, like, mm-hmm. comfortable. And it's just, like – I like that they added that detail because I think it is important, but it like it just the way that I think it's just as somebody who also really hates like long prose and just, you know, I don't want to sit here and know every single detail about the room. I just want to get to the plot point. This, it wasn't necessarily prose, but just the way that things were described and the thoughts that were articulated were just so well written. And it was like details like that. There's a specific line, the one that you texted me, the one that I was going to text you um, where they're fighting and she says something like the fire in his or uh, anger is the fire in his eyes but pain is the kind is the kindling that burns it yeah uh-huh because okay they had just had a fight where you know he okay basically nate's whole thing is that he's unwilling to like share his emotions in real life like he's just gonna write it for his character and Kat is so scared of everything and so it's like this heat of this argument and the way she describes like like the way that he was angry like as that sentence I was like that is so genius that is so beautiful Mm -hmm. I want Allie Hazelwood to take a class from these authors about how to describe people without reducing them to one or two characteristics the way I didn't have to read about the color of his eyes a hundred times the way that I didn't have to hear that he was tall and broad and strong 1,462 times the way that I didn't have to hear the same exact detail in different fonts over and over again like it added to the three-dimensionality of the character actual description of like each other's characters like the way they looked it was like the attraction towards each other was like purely their actual characteristics and uh, like um like personal characteristics not it wasn't just physical which is very important but so many authors I like after reading this I think this is like the good example that teachers in the class and she's like this is how you're supposed to be writing like after reading this I'm like nothing that I've read before compares because it all just seems so like 
derivative, like juvenile. It doesn't seem like you're like writing about a person. It seems like you're writing like he's hot because he's tall and strong and broad and blue eyes and this hair. And like, that's it. We, I could not tell you off the top of my head, the color of either of their eyes, but like, I know who they are as characters. Like I know, and I can picture it and I don't have to sit here and be like, Hmm, who's a blue eyed actor that could play so-and-so. Like, I don't have to think about that because they're, they're like, it's a person. Like it's a real person in my head now. And on top of that, like, like we do get subtle descriptions. Like we know that he's not like attractive in the conventional way, but mm-hmm. we runs. And so she likes the way his muscles are defined. Like they're like subtle things like that, but it's not shoved in your face where like every single thing that's attractive to each of the characters about each other is like something that's so physical and almost like, Oh really? Like that's the only reason you're attracted to them. Like, there's an act, and because I they also knew each other really well. I think with a lot of haters, haters to lovers, like the characters don't actually know each other. They're like obviously physically really attracted to each other, and so that is where like the spark and the connection comes from. But these are two people that like knew every single thing about each other because the way they wrote was like from the way that they felt about each other. And so after they began hating each other, like there were still things that they admired. Like they both of them talk about how in that break that they took, like that the other is still a phenomenal writer that the, the other would like, like each of them would talk about each other. Like, you know, I might hate them on like a per not even hate them, but I might not want to be around them on like a personable level, but like he's still a talented author. Like Katrina still owns his book from like from when like the book that he wrote when they were not writing or when they were not talking anymore. And like Nathan time and time again like praises her for the talent that he is for the talent that she has and the fact that she refuses to write is like he's like personally offended by it because she, he just wants her to be able to like share that talent with the world and not because like you know, they're like even at their lowest and like when they're the furthest apart from each other, they're still able to like fully recognize the other's a talented writer and they're like up- upset at each other on a personal level, but on a professional level and like even on a friendship level, they don't have this like it's not like a hatred in the way that the beginning of Spanish love deception was just petty hatred and like children childish. You know what I mean? Like I usually do not like miscommunication. And like you said in the last episode, we're like, oh like I've grown, meaning I've shrunk. <laughs> like I get that it's part of this genre, but I like the it was because like it was set up to where we knew how they got along as writers and we knew what the one instant that broke them apart was. And it was that they both through their writing basically confessed that they loved each other and they want to be together and write forever. Her issue, Kat's issue was Nate is so willing to write it on the page and it's like he's willing to like live in this fantasy fiction world and try to emulate his world around that and for Kat it's like things are not in real life are not the way that we write them and the thought of like it might like knowing it might not work the as pretty as Nate writes it like that scares her but to Nate like writing it is the most honest he knows how to be all Nate can do, to be honest, is to write. Like, that's how he processes. Like, that's how he, like, shares, which isn't flawed necessarily. It's that, like, it. it's miscommunication on a much more, like, like two people. Believable level. Two people who are saying the same things but can't communicate it the same way. Yeah. And it makes sense because, like, he's, like, they, they both have the reservation of, like, we are friends and like you know the same trope that a lot of people write in books were like oh we're friends we don't want to ruin that blah blah blah, which is fair but more importantly they both have this like mutual respect for one another they don't want to like like Kat is not going to be the one to tell him that she loves him because he's clearly in a relationship and hasn't shown any like inclination otherwise so she's not gonna she's not gonna be the one to do anything about that and Nathan also has respect for his wife so he's not gonna be the one to like you know do anything until and unless he's like fully broken things off of his wife he knows that they're like like papers are signed and sealed like there's no going back is when he's going to do something about it so neither of them are even in a position where they could do something if they wanted to so that like the miscommunication again just feels more authentic it feels like two people who like just it like it feels authentic it feels like they're 
people who are trying. And you can like pinpoint the exact moment it happened too. Like he wrote basically like the love letter. He wrote a love letter to her and it was like an idea, quote unquote, for a new book. And she wrote a response, but she was like, I know this is his real feeling, but the fact that he can't say this to me in person and this is just fiction and he's willing to like destroy his whole life based on that. So she burns her response and he sees her burn the response and then he leaves. And then, you know, like in that fuel, like they both decide they're not going to speak to each other. They don't do any of their book releases together. He says some things. She says some things. And it was done so well. I was actually... And another uh, another point, I really enjoyed that it was written. Like, the actual authors, Austin and Emily, like, yes, they're married. But I really liked that it was a perspective of both a guy and a girl writing the story. I think... Sometimes, like, issues with, like, Nicholas Sparks' romancy books is, like, women are written in, like, a specific way that's so tropey because it's, like, really hard to, like, understand, like, the perspective of a woman in a romance novels. And I'm pretty sure if a guy read a romance book from the, pers- like, written by a female author, like, there's some things that, like, guys are, like, troped in order to be this perfect idealistic way like in order to be the most attractive to like the female audience that reads it like just something about the way that both these characters were written as like fully three-dimensional because sometimes Mm -hmm. one of the characters are three-dimensional and the other is kind of just like a ploy to drive the romance forward and be fluffy but this is like like they're fully fleshed out I really really liked it fully fleshed out I really loved it and then I have to say, like, the ending of this book is so commendable. From Katrina having, so Katrina's had this sort of anxiety about writing again, right? Like, every single time she's been asked, like, oh, what's your next work about? Because she hasn't been able to be inspired in the same way since she and Nathan broke it off in the, in the first place, right? So, like, she's had this sort of, like, hang up, this, like, just this, like, anxiety surrounding having to write again. And so she, and also the fact that she's been in this relationship where she's really only liked for being a writer and not as a person has really driven like any doubt that she has like to an astronomical level so she comes to this realization like in the in the sort of third act of like I if I'm gonna be with Nathan I want to finish the book first and then be with him on my own turn like I can't conflate the two because I don't like she just needs to write for herself and then she also needs to be in this relationship if that's what's like meant to be both for herself and not like you know like not related to one another which is I think a commendable take I like this little like you know she needs to do something for herself I like that she has her own sort of hero's journey throughout um so then we see this whole chapter basically of them existing in like bliss and just sort of like coexisting and like having this very like understanding existence where they're like friends they're clearly attracted to each other but they're and it's just like little moments and little touches and little like like snippets it, it reads like a montage the way that I read that chapter of like them right after she's like we I don't want to be with you but until we finish this book like, I need to finish this book first the way that I read that chapter right after that is like it reads like a montage in a movie it's set to like a cute little it's it's set to like the little up soundtrack at the beginning like that little score at the beginning where it's just like people fluffily happily like existing and, and it- then yeah Oh, I was going to say, and then even the epilogue is really cute where, like, sometimes... Wait, wait, not even there. Before we even get to the epilogue, the way that she's, like, the way that the, like, the the, the grand romantic sort of gesture is just, they're, like, writing in, like, perfect synchrony, and then she just reaches over, they're finally finished, and she goes, I love you, and that's it. Like, it's not this sort of great grand sweeping gesture. It just works for two people who've spent their entire lives or their entire careers together like writing in great grand sweeping like prose it's just such a simple and fitting moment and like it just it just works it's so simple that it works and you can't see me right now but I'm literally like raising my hands (laughs) I that's literally what I was gonna say like for two people who write romance as like 
their main source of everything. So they're so used to like all the grand gestures and the greatest of dramatics. Like it's like the way their romance is actually portrayed is like just like the smallest little snippets, like cute little moments. And can I can I talk about that blog? Yes, you can talk about the epilogue. The epilogue made me, I swear to God, like, uh, yes, you can talk about the epilogue. I really can't. Okay, the epilogue was so cute. Okay, sometimes in epilogues, you know, it's like a couple months later and all of a sudden you get this like huge, grand, sweeping proposal. You know, it's like, I love it. Like, I'm not arguing because I love a grand gesture and I love like a great epilogue but for this book it was so fitting like they were just like sitting next to each other and like he just like kind of hints at the idea of a proposal and she says like the word that's like you know proposals proposals are this big grand gesture and it's always about the romance at the restaurant and the scene and the setting she literally says proposals are for candlelit dinners and glasses of champagne, but pre-proposals are for moments and sidewalks when you're running late. Yeah. And it is the way that that physically fundamentally changed who I am. I, ah, here's the thing. Before, I really loved the epilogue of the kiss quotient because I think it has the same energy. The way that having two writers write two writers experiencing that moment like it was like a level like a next level to the extreme if I could make everybody in the entire world read just how like I have I truly I cannot think of another word other than the way that their love is written is beautiful and I don't have another word to describe it the way that their love is written is beautiful I am going to deep dive on reddit on tiktok on everything because I want to hear every single person's negative opinion about this book so I can mentally rebuttal it because I love so goodreads oh my god goodreads has the most vile vicious goodreads for hours tonight it like I oh my god hold on I just want to like I want to, this is a book that I finished reading and I was like, I want to buy it so I can highlight things that I enjoyed. I know we fully made fun of people annotating literally the other day. And I read this book and I was like, I want to annotate in a ridiculous manner for this book and this book only. Highlight all different events in different colors. And And honestly, like, I get it. I want to do that. I want that experience. It would just make me like, I just sit there like, like, it's such, it's like, book i'm sorry but this book from the dedication to the epilogue had me like like happy in a chokehold like a chokehold is not enough like fingers twiddling like i was literally the way that we read josh and hazel do you remember like how we both read josh and hazel we were like we're just smiling the entire time this book had me like giggling like a fucking teenage girl who had a crush for the first time this book was so good because I like have to listen to the audiobook I'm just constantly like when I'm walking on the streets listening to this book smiling like an idiot (laughs) smiling like an idiot I just know when people look at me they're like what is this idiot about (laughs) like literally (laughs) literally, I've never been so grateful the other day I was at work and I started listening to it for like 20 minutes because I was like oh nobody's around and I have to do like some mindless work so I was like I'll just put it in and I couldn't do it because I was just sitting there like kind of smiling and like I was smiling in a way that was uncomfortable for me to like keep a mask on I was like this is just not working for me I need to just not listen to it right now it's not working but like it it was so so good I have no other words First of all, I forgot to mention, I've told everybody and their mother about how much I love this dedication. This dedication to this book, the very first thing that you hear in the audiobook is this one could only be for each other. Are you fucking kidding me? Are you fucking kidding me? I hadn't even read like part of the book, like most of the book yet, when Trita had already read the dedication. And the first thing she goes is the dedication. And then she picks me up hours later because I went to see her over the weekend. And she was like, I just need to talk about the dedication again. And she like goes to the audiobook, starts the book from the beginning so we can just hear the audiobook and scream on the way to her house. It was so good. Okay, for the record, for the record, I love dedications, not as much as I love epilogues. I could do an entire, I could write a fucking dissertation about how much I love like the extraneous parts of books. Like an epigraph, let's talk about epigraphs for a minute because this book has a phenomenal epigraph also. Um, let me read it to you in case you forgot about it. 
the epigraph in this book. I love epigraphs too. Is every secret of a writer's soul, every experience of his life, every quality of his mind is written large in his works, Virginia Woolf. And like, yeah, excellent, beautiful, amazing. Yes, to that, not as good as the dedication. The dedication killed me. The dedication ran me over with a train, okay? Knowing that the authors are married, and our high school sweethearts so happy like i want to know like did they meet each other in like their fiction writing class and then they were like they like wrote little books together like you know like did they just pass like little love notes to each other and then it just like ended up being like a cute little story i don't know i'm just so happy for them i need to emily Liberty and austin sigmund broca met and fell in love in high school he went on to graduate from harvard while she graduated from princeton now they're married and they live in los angeles and they take daily inspiration from their own love story so i'm just so happy for them i'm gonna read an entire article about their relationship hold on oh my god i'm dead okay hold on The summer of 2015, we were young and in love. We were two college graduates working our first jobs in Los Angeles, grateful to be sharing a city following four years of long distance. Our relationship was better for it when we wondered what was next. Um, We thought, why not introduce a a huge new emotional and logistical challenge into our romance life, which is how we, debut authors, decided to co-write a book. It hasn't destroyed our relationship, and we've been engaged since November. And this was written in, I don't know when this was written. Oh my gosh, okay. Oh, uh, it's no coincidence that the characters in our books fall in love in high school, nor that the romantic interests are wordy, nerdy guys, often with interest in Shakespeare. And then she, he says, nor that the her- the heroines are talented and brilliant. And then she says, yeah, we unabashedly flirt while writing. Really, though, it's great to be co-writers who can realistically represent each perspective in the romance. I have us covered when we're writing our heroines, first noticing her crush, falling for her swoony love interest. But writing boy dialogue, it's times like that I'm grateful for a co-writer. And then he says, whereas describing often female-centric characters, first kisses, things of that nature, I'm out of my depth. Oh my god, they're so cute. See, I really like that. I love I like that they write romance like in each other's perspective. And this is why I think I don't know why romance is always such a female-centric like genre. Like I think everyone should just like romance. Like, yes, you say that, but one of the most best-selling authors of all time, romance or otherwise, is Nicholas Sparks, who's a man. But I think they both bring a lot to the situation. Like I love and you know this I love a dual perspective book I love reading both perspectives but there is like a, an air of like realisticness in this book I want to go read all their other books now I do too I I I say this every single time we do any book I am so excited for the end of the year ranking I think that's the wrap I think I think we're we're wrapping up on this book but I loved it but like in a way that I don't I don't know I just I love this book so much are you excited for the next prediction there's a fucking American roommate experience the next part of this episode we're gonna predict next American roommate experiment written by the same author as a Spanish love deception. Yes, it is Elena Armas and I'm really excited because unlike Shrita, I actually kind of enjoyed the Spanish love deception like I definitely have like a million and a billion qualms about it but like Shrita absolutely could not get through it because it's so do you have any opinions she's just no last you know literally four seconds ago when I was like wow this book had the greatest prose of all time and I literally hate prose the Spanish love deception is the reason that I think that I hate prose I think before that I was like pretty indifferent I hate the Spanish Love Deception with a burning fire in my heart. The only reason I finished it, and I've said this before, I'll say it again, time and time again. Tang said, there's a good book in there somewhere. And I said, okay, if that's what you're saying, I will go find it. And she was right. There's, It's in there. Like, I'm just hoping she got an editor for this, but something tells me she really, really didn't. Okay, so just quick summary, because we've never read it before. I'm reading it right now. Um, okay. Rosie Graham has a problem, a few actually. She just quit her well-paid job to focus on her secret career as a romance writer. She hasn't told her family and now has terrible writer's block. Then the new ceiling of her New York apartment literally crumbles on her. Luckily, she has her best friend, Lena Spare Key, while she's out of town. But Rosie doesn't know what Lena has actually lent her apartment to her cousin, Lucas, who Rosie has been stalking, for the lack of a better word, on Instagram for the last few months. 
Lucas seems intent on coming to her rescue like a Spanish knight in shining armor. Only this one strolls around the place in a towel, but has a distracting grin and an irresistible act. Oh, and he cooks. Lucas offers to let Rosie stay with him, at least until she can find some affordable temporary housing. And then he proposes an outrageous experiment to bring back her literary muse and meet her deadline. He'll take her on a series of experimental dates meant to jumpstart her romantic inspiration. Rosie has nothing to lose. Her silly online crush is totally under control. But Lucas' time in New York has an expiration date. And six weeks may not be enough for either her or her deadline. Wait, you're telling me already there's three different tropes? She couldn't cool it? Like, the roommates was not enough. They're also going to be fake dating. And he's also on, like, a visa green card situation. Like, is this a joke? I'm already a little bit confused because I thought that... Okay, so first, the ceiling crashed. And Ro- and Lena's cousin is staying at Lena's apartment. So Rosie is staying, staying at Lena's apartment. Yeah. Okay. So, okay, so it's not haters to lovers. I'm glad no. that Elena's decided it's to force proximity roommates, which is like you know kind of sometimes different, but force proximity slash roommates, mm-hmm. and he's on like a like a time crunch because of immigration yeah. situation, and they're gonna be fake dating. Uh huh. Like that's okay. Let's Elena too much Jean, babe. Too much to I wonder how many fan fictions she had to blend together in order to write this one. Knowing her, probably half of one. <laughs> Knowing her, this is like a quarter of a fan fiction that she was like, okay, maybe I'll pull back a little bit. Okay, so I'm guessing right off the bat that Rosie is on, not Rosie, Lena, who is from the Spanish Love Deception. I did not know this is a sister novel. Oh my god, wait, yeah. What? Oh my god. Yeah, I think. I forgot. I think Lena is on her honeymoon, and that's why she's not there for six weeks. Um, and you're telling me Lena and Aaron took six weeks off of the job they're actually both married to. You know what? She's not there for six weeks. It's my only, only guess. I think that Rosie. Um. Oh my gosh, I'm trying to actually think how this book is going to start from the beginning. Um, okay, Rosie's apartment crashes. That's already told to us. Um, she rooms with Lucas. I think that I think that there's gonna there has to be like a room renovation situation because not only is there gonna be forced proximity, but there has to be one bed also. Oh, it's a one bedroom apartment. There, someone's gonna sleep on the couch, and they're gonna end up sharing the room together. Um, one of the dates is going to involve an amusement park. It's going to rain and we're going to get another very detailed explanation of her forgetting a rain jacket and Lucas being around and giving her an umbrella. You're not selling this book. I cannot. I'm going to dread reading it. Make a prediction. Here's my prediction. I think that they're going to start off, she's going to walk in, and she's going to be like, who the fuck are you? And that's where it's going to start. Is literally Rosie, is that her name? Yeah. Walking into Lena's apartment and being like, there's somebody else here. What? Or maybe even, like, in the middle of the night where, like, he comes crashing in. The way that Josh comes crashing into his own apartment mm-hmm. when Hazel's staying, like, and that's their first interaction. And then she's like, Lena, I can't believe. What the fuck? And Lena's going to be all coy and like, it's just a couple of weeks. You'll be fine. Ha ha. Lucas is really nice. Ha ha. Aaron really likes him. Because <laughs> Lena sucks a person. I hate her. Okay. So that's her voice in my head. Okay. Um, And then I think that there's going to be just like a roller coaster of, oh my God, he's so cute. But like, I definitely don't like him, guys. Guys, I don't like him. Okay. I don't like him. And then he's going to be like, sorry, I have to go because like you, um, one, won't tell me that you love me back and B, one B, um, and B, uh, I'm also like on a visa and um, she, he's going to leave and then she's going to be like, oh my God, I have to follow him. I literally can't even take a phone call to like tell him that I love him. I literally have to go back to America to like tell him that I'm in love with him. Ugh. 
And then we're going to watch this like a whole dramatic thing. And just when you think the book's over, just kidding, you're only one third of the way through and there's going to be 14 epilogues to this fucking book. <laughs> I'm so infuriated. I like, forgot how much I hated this Spanish love deception. And now I'm like, I'm like reinvigorated. Okay, this fake dating situation. Did they give us a reason already why they have to fake date? Because she quit her job to become a romance writer. <laughs> you know when people say don't quit your day job that's what i want to tell elena armas it's just like it's not clicking for her i want her to stop writing romance um i have so much hatred in my heart i know i had so much love in my heart like five minutes ago and now i have so much hatred in my heart um i think also that she's gonna be like oh my god i can't do it i literally can't even be a writer because i don't know anything about love and she's gonna be like babe got this I got okay and it's gonna be a bunch of fucking cheesy like seventh grade dates it's gonna be like oh we're at the movies let me stealthily put my arm around you and like oh my god he actually cares about me or is he just I don't know showing me what love is I don't know how it is to be loved and they're gonna like you know be on one of these dates and run into her ex or his ex or whatever and like one of them's gonna have a stinky stinky past (laughs) you have so much hate in your heart hate this fucking book i'm sorry i shouldn't judge a book by its cover but i'm gonna judge elena armas babe don't quit your day job that's all i'm saying um unless this is your day job in which please quit please quit please quit that's all um if she has one hater it's me if if she has no haters i'm dead okay want her to get an editor so badly and then and then i think the the the, the most important plot line that we're forgetting because of course this is one of the 15 epilogues is she's gonna forward his her her own romance novel writing to him to like tell him that she loves him because she's like oh no i'm not gonna make it to america in time but like we're not running out of time i don't know why we're on a deadline here and so she's like forwards it to him and then he reads it he's like oh my god elena and they're gonna have like a in the airport they're gonna be like oh my god i love you so much i love you so much and then they're gonna keep going and then they're still at the airport and then like they're driving back from the airport and they have like another huge speech at like the park outside their house and then they like i don't know they're like oh let's move in together at, and then we'll have another speech and then we're gonna get married and we'll have another speech and it'll just be speeches all around <laughs> i hate how much hate you have you know what i'm gonna go into this with only positive positive thoughts my only qualm so far is how did she quit her day job to become a romance writer if she doesn't have an idea yet but part of it the need to quit the job that is my only main qualm okay i because she's gonna be like i don't know how am i gonna pay the bills if i don't have a job and he's gonna be like babe i got this i got this (laughs) like they all they all the spanish love deception just had two characters annoying and blue eyes that's it those are the two characters so in this case it's gonna be annoying part two and babe i got this that's that's all they are okay okay my prediction my prediction okay what is this your prediction this is like how she's gonna write a fucking epilogue just when you think you're done there's gonna be another one okay so um you know she her apartment got crashed into and then she moves to rosie's and oh she moves to lena's and lucas is there lucas just came from spain i believe that maybe he was like some kind of model in spain and so it tells us that rosie's been stalking him this entire time and so she basically like is like speechless for so long and she's like oh yeah i'm writing this romance novel but you know i like really like don't know anything about romance and i don't know babe i got this yeah and then he goes babe i got this and then he's like i'm gonna take you on a series of dates and i also believe it's gonna be super super cheesy like it's gonna be like oh my god wait i think the ulterior motive for him oh i think the ulterior motive for him going on these dates is because he's trying to make an ex jealous or he's trying to get over an ex no i think that um he is trying to get a visa out of this he's like if i can um if I can get Rosie to love me, then I can become an American citizen. That is his ploy, is what I believe. And then, this is going to be so wrong, 
but that's what I'm gonna put my button down for because with Elena Marmalas, I could honestly do anything and I could still end up surprised um, yeah just because just because this prediction is right doesn't mean all the other ones are wrong and that's the the comfort of guessing in Elena Armas book <laughs> Okay. The I, other book, the book that we just guessed and like just talked about just before this, um, it was like, oh, maybe I'm right, maybe you're right, maybe neither of us are right. In this case, it could be maybe I'm right, but also you're right, and also we're both right, but also we're both wrong, and all of those can be true at the same time. There's nothing that's mutually exclusive here. I also believe that <laughs> um she is gonna go to Spain at the end, like no, in the middle of the book. <laughs> like wait, wait. Gonna- we're gonna think that the the book is over because you know she's gonna confess her love to him. Yeah, for the record, I said this, and you said, "Why do you have so much hate in your heart, Trista?" No, but you know what? I'm anticipating. I'm looking forward to this. <laughs> I'm speaking about it from the other side. Like I'm excited. So to I'm read- saying tags, but derogatory is my guess. <laughs> um, I'm excited to read all 800 words of the or 800 chapters of this uh, of this book. This cha- if this book was only 800 words, it would still be too much. but i believe yeah she's gonna go back to spain and i think we're gonna like re-meet the entire family that we already met um and i think we're gonna be introduced to another girl character um and then in elena armas's next book um (laughs) it's gonna be about her and she's going to be in love with another one of rosie's co-workers i think it's just gonna be a never-ending cycle of people in spain being in love with people from this company i don't know what they do um and last but not least, I think it's going to end with the longest monologue. It's end? No, I think like the 16th monologue will be the last monologue. Okay, yeah. for, for <laughs> predictions, because I actually, you know, we could all be right. I'm going to guess that there are going to be 800, like, I think that there are going to be between 700 and 900 words. Like, I think it's going to be that long. Um, I think there's going to be an epilogue. You think it's going to be between 700 and 900 pages? pages sorry. 700 and 900 pages. I agree. I think that there is... No, I'll give her a little bit of credit. 700 and 1,000 pages. <laughs> I, I want to be right. I think there's going to be an epilogue, but throughout the entire book, we're going to think the next chapter is the epilogue. Like, it's going to take us... We're already time. right. The problem is you are right right now. I, I'm going to always wish that the next chapter of an Elena Armas book is the epilogue. I'm going to say, please put me out of my misery. And then she's going to say, no, just kidding. This is the chapter two of the epilogue. And I'll say, are you fucking kidding me? Leave me alone, please. <laughs> you terrible, vile woman. And I believe that... Elena Armas is the only author in the whole world who would say, yeah, my epilogue is actually longer than the original book. And everybody would be like, yes, we ate that up. And I'd be like, no, I did not. I threw it up. You know what? I believe that um, it will be slightly more concise than the Spanish love assumptions. Just slightly. Improvement. And that's my end. That's all the predictions I have. I'm excited for how this book goes. Shota is like, barring her teeth, she's like, folding her arms. She's like, never do I wish have to do this again okay hold on spanish love deception number of pages american no don't don't look it up experiment number of pages i just need to know for my personal well-being spanish love deception has 448 pages the american roommate experiment has 400 pages so all i can say is she got an editor (laughs) she cut those 84 pages (laughs) out I'm like in physical pain. If I like this book, I'll pay ten dollars. Okay. I'm not gonna give you any money because I have a feeling you might not like the book. <laughs> okay, but tune in next week for the end of this book. We if I make are... it. If I live through that long. What's our podcast name? Hot messes and hot takes. Our hot messes and hot takes. This was our hot mess. Listen to our hot takes next no. week. Follow no. along. Read this book. Follow along as we read Elena Armas's hot mess. Um, 
yeah read the roommate experiment along with us and tune in next episode for how wrong we were and how literally we could predict nothing because there are going to be 16 million plot points um and as as we go and peace love and everything in between besties peace and love and everything in between besties um, okay. like, sleep. comment, share, subscribe, oh God, Spotify, on all your streaming platforms. Leave a comment, leave a review. I think I already said all this. Okay, goodbye.